0: You ever been in a situation where you got something you were really excited for, and like your freedom was taken away a little bit in it? Um, I'm not talking about like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that this happened. Uh, But like a dog. Like I don't know if you guys have ever had a dog before, but a dog is one of those things you get really excited about, but then a dog is something that you're hanging out with your friends, you're like, oh, I gotta let the dog out. And you gotta go back, you gotta let the dog out, and all that kind of stuff. And people are always like, oh, that's why I like cats. You know why we don't like cats outside? Because they run away, because they don't like you. They're awful, awful animals, and they run away, so you have to keep them inside, you have to make sure that they poop in little sand traps, and like, that that happens, but with a dog, it's like, they love us, they'll come back, we should let it out and let it roam and all that kind of stuff. It's it's that idea, like I I remember so many times we would be doing stuff like, oh man, we gotta let the dog out. Then you're driving home going, I hope she didn't pee in the ground. I hope she didn't pee in the house. I hope she didn't pee in the house. And then finally you get there. For me, lately, it's been home ownership. Some of you have this idea that home ownership's like incredible. It's not, it's really not. Uh, Here's what home ownership is. Every week I look around and go, I need to fix something. Like this weekend, I'm gonna be fixing uh, my fence I am gonna be cleaning out my gutters, and I'm gonna be cutting down a tree. And so, that's what I get to do this weekend. Some of you are like, man, what do I get to do this weekend? There's so much freedom. When you own a home, it goes away. It goes away. It's like this thing, it goes back and forth. And so, you know, that's what we've been kind of talking about the past couple weeks is this idea of freedom. How we have freedom in Christ, but we tend to go back and forth uh, between living this life filled with rules. And with rules comes that that bondage, that time where we we don't have freedom. And then when we live with God, we have that freedom. And how do we keep from going back and forth? And how do we listen to God in that time? I mean, one of the things that you hear all the time as Christians is you, you hear, oh, we have the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. The Holy Spirit is someone who can help you out. But then we go, well, how do I access that? Like I, I hear people say all the time like how do I know it's the holy spirit or not just me telling myself in my head like what to do like how do I how do I know what to do I always hear all the time man I wish I had more guidance and so what we're going to get into today we're going to look Back in Galatians, we're going to be in chapter 5, and we're going to look at what Paul is saying to the church there in Galatia as they're dealing with this. He's he's basically letting them know, you need to have the Spirit help guide your ways. And he's also kind of setting some guide rails, trying to help them out against what's going on. So we're going to jump into this. We're going to go through a lot of verses at the beginning, and then we're going to get into it. I'm going to start off in Galatians 5, verse 1. It says this, says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. What is slavery to the law? It's that idea, you've been in that place before where you you feel like you have to do everything right. Where you, you feel like everything you do is being watched. It's that idea that God is like the boogeyman that's constantly, or like a weird Santa Claus that's watching everything you're doing. And if you do something wrong, he's checking it off. And what he's saying, he goes, that's not what it's about. There's a slavery to the law. There's a freedom in Christ. He says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. And if you haven't been here with this series, like, why in the world is he focusing on circumcision? That's a really weird thing. So what was going on at that time? Uh... (laughs) was this, all the uh, Jewish Christians at that time were telling all the new Christians that they also had to follow all the Jewish laws. And so they were coming behind and saying, hey, all of you guys that are now trying to follow Christ, you have to be circumcised, which is a really tough thing to hear when you're later on in life. So they're like, hey, you love Christ, that's great. We've got some knives back here. And so what was happening, what's up happening was all the guys were like, cool, peace out, all the women were like, this is fine. And they were saying, and so what, what's happening here is he's going, this is what Paul's saying, he's going, If you think that it's circumcision is what adds to your faith that allows you to be righteous, then you have to follow the entire law. And you're like, that sounds weird to us now, but we always try to add something to Jesus. You see this many times. You see people add Jesus, but you also have to fast, or you also have to be baptized. Baptism is important, but that's not what saves us. It's It's Jesus and these things. It's Jesus and you need to confess your sins to someone. It's Jesus and these things. And really, the only thing that saves, the only thing that's important is Jesus. He's going... If you want to talk about it, if you want to add a law, you have to add all of them or you add none of them. He goes, don't worry about that law. He says this, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live in this by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For we are, when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important, and this is so important, this is what he says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. If you want to talk about what Christianity is, it's right there. It's faith expressing itself in love. I, I think I get the question all the time, how do I know I have a lot of faith? You express it in love. What we do as we follow Christ is we... We, how do you follow Christ? How, do you, how are you a Christian? I show love to other people. How do I know I'm following after God? My faith results in me expressing it to love everyone else, to everyone else around me. It says, you are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following this truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This is false teaching. It's like a little yeast that spreads through a whole batch of dough. It's so easy to take a step back in that. It's so easy to do that. And I've told you guys this before. The, the way that you can quickly tell that you're taking a step back is you start to point out other people's faults. That moment where you start pointing out other people's faults or you're starting to feel all kinds of guilt for not doing everything perfect, it means that you're taking that step back. He goes, you got to be careful because once you start to take those steps, it's so quickly to go backwards. So we're going to continue on in verse 13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead... Use your freedom to serve one another in love. You see that again. What are we supposed to do? Serve others in love. For the law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives or walk with you is what he says. Then you will be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So it actually changes our heart. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are under no obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And I'm going to go back through this, so kind of listen to this. He says, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, or other sins like these. And then he says something here that's taken the wrong way. Let me tell you again, as you have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. What people take that as, that means you won't go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you are a Christian and you continue to do these things, you will not get God's best for you on this earth. So if you decide to continue to go back the other way, you won't have what's best. And so he starts off with something where it says he talks about sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. He talks about all those things. He goes, you got to pay attention to these things. And for some of us, you hear that. I know for some of you in church, whenever you hear people talk about sex, that you cringe a little bit because maybe you were a part of a service where basically the pastor said if you're having sex before marriage, you're an awful person, or you're this, or you're that. And really, that's not at all what I'm saying tonight. What I want to say to you is this. The way we live our lives decides whether or not we're going to have God's best. That's why when we talk about these things, that's why we do series on how to date and date the right way. Is not because I want to tell you this is what you have to do or, you know, God's going to come after you. It's because I want what's God's best for your life. I want you guys, everyone in here, to actually have a good marriage, which sounds crazy in today's life, but this is something we ought to do. So here's what I want you to do. Instead of me explaining all of that. If you've, you're new here, you weren't here for our, our series on dating and marriage and all that kind of stuff, if you can put that up real quick. We have a podcast. Um, the next slide. It's here. Uh, I, I ask you to listen to this. If you cringed at all when I said that, or you're, you, you're thinking, why would he say these things? If we're on something called Podbean. Um, I don't know why it's called that. It's called that. Uh, there's an app in the App Store. It's also on the Google App Store if you have a Blackberry you should get a new phone. Um, <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, it's there. Um, so you can go on there, you can look for GFC the Exchange, you'll find it there. Or if you just want to go in a browser, you go to GFC The series there is called Love Lies. It, co- it starts off with a message called Singleness. Um, it's six messages. I ask that you listen to that. Here's why. Not because I want to tell you what to do. I want to give you a thought out idea of what it looks like to date the right way, to get engaged the right way, and to marry the right way. Why? Because I believe most of our ideologies on those things are based off of high school conversations and TV. When we really look at it. Or it's based off a response of how bad our parents' marriages were, so we're trying to do the opposite. And so I would love for you guys to do that. That's those are All of our messages are going to be up there, but that is something. To do and So it starts off with that. It talks about idolatry. Now we see idolatry when we go, okay, so I don't have, um, you know, a figurine of another God in my room that I bow down to. Here's what idolatry is. Idolatry is anything that takes your your sight off of God. It's anything that consumes your life. It could be a person. It could be a job. It could be a thing. It could be so many stuff. And actually, it's something that's coming up right now that may actually cause idolatry to come back into your life, and that's football. Like we're not that far away, and I'm excited. But it turns out, wait, I actually, we, I had a friend who had some pastors in from India, and they went to a football game at one of the stadiums, and as they were leaving, India has a ton of idols, a ton of all that kind of stuff. And as they're leaving, as they're going to the airport, he goes, so how'd you like America? Do you ever want to come back? And she goes, no, I don't ever really want to come back. You have too many idols. He goes, what are you talking about? You guys have a ton of idols. She goes, yes, but you build stadiums dears." I was like, oh. Now that didn't convict me enough to not watch football, but but it did make me realize if football ruins my day, if football controls my life, if any of that stuff does, then there's a problem there. If a person can do that same thing to me, if a job, if something that I want to go after, idols are very easy to come come upon. What Paul is saying here is I want to make sure that you understand that these things. There are things we shouldn't do, and the reason we shouldn't do them is because they take us out of what God's best is for our lives. And Paul is not someone that acts like he's above us. In fact, you see him in the book of Romans. He actually says, I don't know why. He goes, I know what I should do, but I continue to do the wrong thing. So it's not like Paul's going, hey, you're never going to do the wrong thing. He goes, you are, but you've got to allow that guilt to go away. Ask for forgiveness and get right back to God. So the question is this, it's like, how do we make sure that we're not going towards what our flesh wants, what we want, and instead going towards what our spirit wants, which is freedom. See, our flesh actually wants rules. Our spirit wants freedom. It, it, it sounds weird. It's one of those things that you don't, you know, like, that doesn't make sense, but here's why we like rules, because we can compete at rules. We can put status in rules. And so, but what God wants is God wants our heart. He wants something much more. He wants our freedom. It's kind of like this. I I grew up, my dad was one who loved to set rules in the beginning, but then take them away. He he was one, we definitely had rules growing up. We had all kinds of stuff. But once we knew what was right and what was wrong, he would take the rules away. Instead, he would go, I'm going to let you run at this and you get to decide whether or not you have a consequence. For example, after my ninth grade year, 10th grade on, I didn't have a curfew You're like, wow, that sounds crazy. Here's what I did have. Every morning at 6 a.m., we had family devotions. Why? Because God was punishing us. No, (laughs) 6 a.m. And so here was the deal. I could stay out as late as I wanted, 6 a.m. 6 a.m., that's what's gonna happen. I could do those things. Here we go, okay, um, you get a credit card. Really? Yep, I get a credit card. But if you don't pay it off, then you you have to take on another job until you actually pay it off. So his deal was this. I'm going to take away the rules, but you get to deal with the consequences. It's a lot what it is with God. God's like, I want to take away all the rules so you have all the freedom. If you do go off to the side, there's consequences, but I want you to have the freedom in it. Our flesh produces doubt, but the spirit produces faith. Why does it produce doubt? That's what I said before. Rules and comparison go hand in hand. Rules allow us to compare ourselves to other people. You see this all the time in the church. There's someone that goes, I'm really good at not doing this, so I'm going to hold everybody else to this standard. Here's the problem. The moment you start comparing yourself to someone, you find somebody else that's better. Or you find somebody else that's doing it better. And you start to doubt whether or not you're doing the things that God wants you to do. What the Spirit does is it produces faith. Why? Because we know we're walking with Him. The flesh produces religion, and the Spirit produces relationship. We naturally produce religion. And let me give you guys an example of that. Even though the United States is becoming more and more non-Christian, we're becoming more and more religious. And here's what I mean by that. Politics. Politics are the new religion in the United States. What do people think change is going to come through? Is it God? No. Is it through politics? Yes. What do they think? What What is the way in which they think they can insert their will on other people? Politics. And what does it become? It's become two sides. It's, I want these dumb people to do what I want, so I want this person to make these laws. And I want these people who are are so short-sighted, I can't believe they would even think that, to make these rules and these laws. And so what's happened, and the reason it's gotten so crazy, and the reason it's gotten so biting and all that, is because we've made up new religions. And what we've done is we've made these religions, and politics is that. What is politics but a set of rules that we want to live by? It's a set of rules that we believe are right, and what it's done, it's turned into that. And that's what happens in religion. That's what happens when we take God and we turn them into a set of rules. We start fighting with other people over who, whose rules are more important, whose, whose rules matter more. The Spirit goes, no, forget about the rules. I just want a relationship. The flesh produces legalism. The Spirit produces grace. One of the craziest things in the Bible that it just still amazes me to this day is one day it was, it was the Sabbath, which is a day that you were not allowed to work in in Jewish law. Jesus goes out and he heals a man. He heals a man. And the Pharisees go, how dare you heal a man on the Sabbath? You worked. Jesus goes, no, you don't understand that. He goes, it's not about rules. It's about grace. It's not about rules. It's about the person. See, what, what's going to happen is the more you step towards rules, the more you stop seeing people and the more you start seeing rules. See, God has always been about the person. God's always like, no, look at the person first. See what's possible. Don't put rules on them. Galatians 5, 26 says it this way. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Guys, those are the fruit of the Spirit. If you didn't know, that's what that was. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. You've heard me talk about this before, how when people say, man, I would love the Ten Commandments to be back in schools. I would. I think it teaches every kid that Christianity is about rules. I would love for these to be up there. How different would Christianity look at if the world, the thing that was up on the wall that we saw every single day was what we should strive for is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How different would we look as Christians if we were fighting not to have laws put in school, but things that cause others a better life, things that are out of love? It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Because here's the thing, It's, it's that idea, we know what's different, and really, if you take a moment to look at your life, you can see very quickly, am I moving towards rules or am I moving towards God? Am I moving towards what my flesh wants, which is to compete and to compare, or am I moving towards what God wants, which is to love and care for other people? Like, how do you get to that point? You need to start seeing what God's doing. You need to start seeing what's going on. In front of you, because there's so many things that are thrown at you on a regular basis. There's so many things that we need to understand right off the bat. And there's a great source for us in the Bible. See, there's a great source for us in the Bible. There's there's so many things that we can go to and we can go, hey, what should I do here? It's in the Bible. Like, when I have a fight in my family, I feel like I should cut people off. Well, the Bible says I shouldn't do that. Well, then I shouldn't do that. Or I need to do this or I need to do that. And the Bible has so many things. There's so many times... I really hate it in an argument when someone quotes the Bible against me when I know I'm wrong. Like as a pastor. I'm like, well, I'm just not going to do that. And they're like, well, the Bible says. I'm like, shut up. I know what the Bible says. (laughs) But this is what I want right now, right? But we do. And here's the problem, though. And here's what I know. Um, Many of you in here have tried reading the Bible. And many of you have started in Genesis. And I'm sorry. (laughs) You hear the laughter on purpose. I'm sorry, because you get through Genesis, you're good. Creation, Abraham, it's stories. Exodus is still pretty good. It gets a little bit weird. And then you get into Leviticus. And Leviticus is just awful. It's a lot of rules. And I want to explain something for a second. This may not be needed at all, okay? This may not be needed at all, but this is my, I'll call myself out, nerd brain, wanting to make sure you guys understand that there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because many of you, and and here's what happens many times, so many of your friends are like, well, this is what the Old Testament says, and this is what's going on, and how dare you live by this. There's a very different, the Old Testament and the New Testament are very different. Actually, the first translation of Testament wasn't Testament. It was actually Old Covenant and New Covenant. Because here's what the Old Testament is. This first half of the Bible, this is a covenant between God and, the Israelites not you okay it's between God and the Israelites not you so when there's promises in the Old Testament when there is things that you should and should not do it's not that it's bad it just it wasn't meant directly for you here's what it was it was God showing us that rules living by rules are not possible there's over 600 rules in the Old Testament it's a lot of rules 600 rules. And what you see is you see the Israelite nation over and over again try to follow the rules and fail. Try to follow the rules and fail. And what you see is God gave them all these rules. There's a ton of rules in there. So there's rules uh, for the way you should eat, which actually still today are a good way of eating. It's considered similar to the Mediterranean diet. It's considered very healthy. There's rules for medical care, which actually medical doctors look at now and go, they were right on. It's crazy. There's rules for all kinds of things. There's things in here that God talks about war and all that. We look and we go, how in the world? The Old Testament is the side that if you don't understand the context, it's so easy to take wrong. It's so easy to look at it the wrong way. And I'm about to ruin some of y'all's days right now, okay? There are some verses in here that we've been using that were not meant for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in a future. Incredible verse. It was written to the Israelites. It was about them leaving Babylon. It was about God preparing them. Now, you can find verses in the New Testament that support that. That's not wrong. God wants to prosper you. God doesn't want to harm you. God has plans for you. But that verse wasn't meant for you. And here's the problem. If you're in the Old Testament you see a very different idea of what we're supposed to see of God. Because in this Old Testament, you hear all the time, God loves you, God cares about you. In this, it was about rules, and the only person that got to speak to God was the priests. You didn't have a relationship. Then all of a sudden, there's the new covenant where Jesus comes in. And what Jesus did when he died, he, he gave us the new covenant, so you get to know Jesus. All these promises on this side are for us. This side was written directly to us for us to understand who Jesus is. So if you're new to the Bible, please don't start over here. Okay? Please don't start over here. Start over here. You could read the New Testament over and over again, understand everything you need to know to go to heaven and live a good life. You could read the Old Testament over and over again and never know Jesus. Okay? And I'm not saying the Old Testament is bad. We spoke from the Old Testament. I've done a series on Ruth. I've done a series on Jonah. These are all good things. And what the Old Testament was, it's supposed to point out two things. One, it's supposed to point out we can't live by rules. And two, it points to Jesus. The entire thing points to Jesus. And there's all these prophecies in there about Jesus and all that. But we can get so caught up. And when you have arguments with your friends, most of the time, what do they do? They quote from the Old Testament. Because here's why this is important to know. This side will cause you to wanna to live by rules. But all it's supposed to do is show you that it's not possible. This side shows you what a relationship can do. So if you're getting frustrated with your Bible, and if you are not getting me right now, please come talk to me afterwards. If you are getting frustrated with your Bible, please start in the New Testament. Please start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Probably John would be great. And start to read about Jesus and the relationship, because this side will contradict it if you don't understand what's going on. I hope I made some sort of sense there. If not, I'm sorry. Here's, here's the deal. When we read the New Testament, Jesus' words give us hope into situations. They give us hope. They give us an idea that somebody else is there. The fact that no matter how dark the situation is, there's someone there that's fighting for us. We're not just fighting for ourselves. Because here's the truth. We're not fighting it just against just other people. We're fighting against things that are unseen. Ephesians 6.12 says, It's kind of a freaky verse. It says this, says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. He's talking about the evil side of things, against mighty powers in the dark world and evil spirits in the heavenly places. One of the things we have to remember is there is another war going on that we can't see. There is another side to this that would love, love, love to get us focused on rules. That would love to get us sidetracked and focus on things that don't matter. So what do we do? We, we get into God's word, we get into that New Testament first, and we read what Jesus was about to make sure we stay on pace. The second thing we do is we listen. We listen for God. And I, and I hear people say, oh, well, how do you hear God? Like, what does that mean? And I wish, man, I wish there were times where God would just speak to me, that would be so awesome, like the radio just changes channels and God speaks. Like, that'd be sweet, like, how? Like, oh, this finally... Finally, like that, that would be incredible or like the bathroom mirror falls up and then there's writing on it like Like I would be scared out of my mind until he finished writing Because I would be assuming that it was like i'm gonna kill you or like it would just But like that would be incredible, but it's something that what here, here's the thing that keeps us from hearing god. We're too busy We're too busy and even when we're not busy, we're too busy because we're not busy, and we're doing things to occupy our time. The amount of time, and it would be crazy, look, the amount of time we spend on Netflix, the amount of times we spend on our phones. You know what's crazy? Is my my screen time is four hours, and most time a day, and most people go, oh, that's nothing. I'm like, do you realize how much time that is? Like, that's a lot of time. I've seen six, eight, 12 hours. I'm like, 12 hours? Kill life. Like, we should... But it's true. Here's what we do. We have so many things now, it's so easy to make noise. It's so easy to spend time on everything else. But here's the problem. You can't hear, you can't respond to a voice that you can't hear. And God is always in the quiet. I mean, when Elijah was talking to God, you know, God wasn't in the thunder. God wasn't in the lightning. He wasn't in the, the loudness of it all. He was in a small whisper. And that's not the only, here's what what we do. We spend time with God in the whisper so that we can hear him when it's loud. You've got to get used to hearing God's voice. You've got to get used to knowing what he's saying and what your own heart is saying. Because as you spend time with him in the quiet, you get to know who he is. And then when you're going full bore out in life, you get to hear his voice and you know which way you should go. The more connected you are in the quiet, the more you hear him in the busy now, here's the deal, though. If you see it in God's word, if you hear it from him, you also must do it. You also must do it. I hear people all the time, man, I just want a better walk with God. You know, it's interesting because a walk with God implies movement. And some of us are standing still. Some of us know exactly what God's calling us to do. We're like, yeah, but what's the choice B? Yeah, that's great, but um, I'm not going to break up with them. Yeah, that's awesome, but no, I want to do what I want to do. See, to be able to walk with God, we read God's word, we listen to him, and then when he calls us to something, we actually move towards it. We walk towards it. We have an action in it. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You know a lot, but if you don't have an action, there's not a good thing. I- I've heard people say this all the time. I'm waiting for God to tell me yes. A better way of going is wait till God tells you no, if it's a good thing, okay? If it's a good thing. Like I hear people, I'm not sure if God wants me to you know, go on this month long mission trip to help these orphans, like I'm waiting on a sign. No, you should just go ahead and go, and see if he says no. I don't know if I should tell this person about God or not. Go ahead and tell them. Now if you should go, you all of a sudden get this overwhelming feeling that God says no, then you should stop. See if it's a good thing, you go until you get a no. Now, if it's a bad thing, then you check the Bible. Well, God's telling me I should do this. No, no, God's not telling you that.
1: It literally says
0: that in the Bible. You shouldn't do that. I remember I had a guy that said, yeah, I just felt like God was telling me I needed to cheat on my wife, so I could. I was like, yeah, no. I'm amazed at what people will say. I am literally amazed. Someone said that to me. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not God. If anything, that's probably Satan. That's so scary. But more than likely, it's just your inner voice getting what you want. He didn't talk to me after that. (laughs) But I think many times our biggest fear is this. And this is our biggest fear in love. We don't like to love someone unless we know they're going to love us back, right? We don't like to love if we know it's not going to be reciprocated. And the thing that we miss many times with God is we're going, all right, God, if I love you, then you better love me back. He's going, I already went first. I already went first. Really, if anybody's reciprocating, it's us. Is God going to continue to love us and bless us? Absolutely. But the idea that I'm, I'm afraid to love God, I'm afraid to go all in because I'm not sure if he's going to reciprocate. He already did. He already started. He already loved us first. In fact, he's the example for the way that we should love others. The way we should love others is never to wait for them to love us first. It's to love them. And whether or not they decide to love us back is nothing because we're supposed to love them because that's what God called us to do. See, with God, some of us, we just need to turn around. We need to give in and allow God to come into our lives and go, God, I love you, whatever it is you need me to do today. Whatever it is that you are calling me to do. Because here's what's so awesome about it is when we're walking with God, we are never, ever alone. See, God's best is this, is that we never have to take a step without him next to us. We never have to make a decision without him with us. We never have to go anywhere wondering, is God a part of what I'm doing See, God's best is walking this earth with God with getting a slight glimpse of what heaven's going to be. That's what we get to do when we put God first and what we want second. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that uh, you love us uh, this much. God, that you already loved us. God, I pray this week as uh, we look at our lives, we look at things that are going on, God, I pray that you point out the areas that we need to take a step back from. God, I pray that you... Show us again the steps that we need to take. God, put it in the back of our mind. Show us some things that we need to be doing, that we need to be acting on, that we may be afraid to right now. God, we thank you that you want what's best for us. God, we thank you that you're not a God up there with a checklist just waiting for us to do something wrong. You want us to live in an incredible freedom. God, we love you, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray.